episode 11 of Taekwondo and the Shame Chronicles. I'm your host, Kyle. I'm Melanie. I'm Josh. And we're your your three... You know what, let's start over. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I kind of came in a little late. I had sort of space. <laughs> um... All right, we're just going to, let's mix it up a little bit. Uh, welcome to the show. I'm Kyle, uh, your first host, um, slash editor, slash um, uh, segment wrangler. <laughs> and I'm, I'm Melanie, uh, the, the only girl in the show. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Josh. All right. Just, just Josh. Josh. Uh, you got to have jazz hands when you say that. I did. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so, Melanie, um, before we started recording, you were telling me uh, you had something that you wanted to talk about. Um, so, go for it. Okay, so um, we did the music versus episode, or the segment last time. Uh-huh. And um, so there's just sort of kind of perfect timing for this piece of news that I'm going to share. Um, so according to the Huffington Post, together is back together. <laughs> 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 and they're going to do a reunion tour. <laughs> and, uh... Uh, so it's really... Uh, it's, the details are, are sort of confusing, but it sounds like they, uh, the four remaining members, cause one of them died in 2001, the four remaining members of the MTV band, <laughs> um, are going to have a show at a comedy club in LA. And then I guess MTV approved for them to go on a reunion tour and then, uh, they will, wait to see the footage and then decide if they're going to air it on MTV or not. <laughs> and, uh, and all the proceeds are going to go to a foundation for the, the guy that died. Um, that was always, that was always confusing to me. Well, first of all, let me say <laughs> that I think this is fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know if I will watch this thing if it ever comes on MTV because I don't watch MTV right. anymore. Right. Um, but I do like the idea of the fake band for the <laughs> fictional movie uh, coming back together like 10 years later. Yeah. Yeah, I um, think it's pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so the thing, the thing that always confused me about Together was that one of the, one of the band members was in the, in the movie, in the fake band, was sick. But I think he was, the actor was also sick, right? Uh, yeah, I don't really remember much about the movie, but yeah, one of them, I can't remember what he died of, but his name's Michael Cuccioni, and some kind of, I think he died of some kind of cancer. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. But it always, I, I'm pretty sure I remember that being, like, a part of his character on the, in the movie. And yeah, like, that was fun. supposed to be, like, one of the things that made him, like, a heartthrob for girls. It was QT. That was his name on the, on the movie. So yeah, okay. I think so. I think he was like the young, cute one. Yeah. Um, Cutie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Josh, did you ever watch this movie? Do you know what we're talking about when we're talking I about no together? I have no idea what you're talking 
<laughs> I suspected that might have been the case. I'll have yeah. to show you some uh, some YouTube videos later. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So for the benefit of the audience and for Josh, um, this was a movie that you know it was a MTV original movie that came out pretty much around the. Yeah, it was like the heyday of of the boy band groups, um, In Sync, uh, Backstreet Boys, Ninety Eight Degrees, um, Menudo, maybe. <laughs> Isn't Menudo like an ongoing like? They just keep yeah. replacing their members. <laughs> yeah. Isn't there a new boy band too? Um, it's like uh, <laughs> I was about to say. <laughs> I was about to say the Lost Boys, but I know that's not right. <laughs> like um, Lost Boys or something? No, it's I something. Yeah, that. I don't remember. I, I don't have my finger on the pulse of uh, pop popular music. Either. So, um, but also, I guess uh, you could maybe throw Hanson in there too, even though that was more of a trio. I guess Ninety Eight Degrees was also a trio, right? Uh, were they three or four? I can't remember. I don't remember. Um, so anyway, this movie came out to sort of capitalize on, uh, on that sort of, um, zeitgeist. Is that the right word? <laughs> zeitgeist. <I don't> know. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, it so. Might be a little strong, but yeah. I think. <laughs> so, uh, this was a, basically it was a, I don't, I wouldn't call it a mockumentary, but it definitely, it definitely wasn't supposed to be serious. It was more of a comedy. And all of yeah. the, all of the songs that they sang were like these really horrible, uh, like ridiculous <laughs> songs that would be passable for <laughs> boy band songs. Right. Uh, they were like, really catchy sounding. Yeah, they were. It was sort of like, you remember that movie, um, uh, that thing you do? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, it wasn't anything <laughs> like that movie, <laughs> but the main song in that movie that was supposed to be super popular was also a pretty good song. A really popular right. song when that movie came out. The same thing yeah. kind of happened with, with this movie. I think, uh, like one or two of the songs back when TRL, you know, uh, was a thing and they played right. like 90 music. minutes of music. I think I want to say that, uh, uh, the song you plus me equals us or whatever it was called, right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> made it to like number one for a couple of days. Uh, yeah. And so part of it was, Part of it was because it was a catchy song, and I think part of it was uh, sort of the ironic voters <laughs> wanting that to, <laughs> to get pushed to the top ahead of, like, the real boy bands. Right. Sure. Um, but, yeah, still, it was it was really catchy. And they had, <laughs> they had like, horrible songs like uh, Rub One Out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which... <laughs> Uh, yeah, so anyway, it, it, it's a really funny movie. I don't know if it, I don't know if the movie still holds up, uh, in today's climate, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I would, I'd be willing to sit down and, and, you know, at least stick around for the first 30 minutes to see if it was still worth it to go through it, so. Um, I just pulled it up on, on IMDb, and the, like, little short synopsis says, a movie that spoofs boy bands like NSYNC, New Kids on the Block, Backstreet Boys, etc. It's the boy band version of Spinal Tap. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually a really good description. Yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, so. Yeah, except it's not it's not shot in that uh, documentary style. <laughs> that, uh, right, not really. That Spinal Tap um, is, but yeah, it's still sort of a spoof on that that genre of music. So. But is that movie where I Heart You came from? 
No, I think I think I Heart You was was before that. Yeah, but I feel like that was the first time I'd ever seen like the literal like you know somebody saying it literal literally rather. Oh than saying yeah, it. that might actually be that might actually be the first time that it was spoken out loud as I Heart right. You. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> um. It sounds yeah, a lot so, like like the monkeys. Oh yeah, I didn't even think of that. I think it sounds like they're the monkeys. I don't think were making fun of the music. No, they were like really earnest about it. Yeah, wasn't I mean, it? it was still it was a you know it was their show was comedy, but yeah, wasn't it like a like sort of a comedy variety show? Yeah, and they had that really that really catchy famous song, "Hey Hey with the Monkeys." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and there's, I think actually recently they went on a sort of reunion tour. Maybe that's what yeah. inspired together to do. I think that they go on a reunion tour like every ten years or something. That's probably true. Yeah. You know, it'd be cool as if um, there was like a big like double headlining show with the monkeys and the gorillas. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe you know how like the gorillas are famous for like having their crazy like animated uh, videos yeah. to go along with their music. <laughs> they should just like get together, like collaborate with the monkeys to to create like. <laughs> crazy like <laughs> tripping balls videos for the monkeys songs yeah uh, yeah that'd be pretty weird it would be a great concert because i'm sure that uh a lot of those fans don't really uh <laughs> cross over very much <laughs> yeah probably not <laughs> uh yeah i guess not um okay so yeah th- i think that's fantastic news uh <laughs> Melanie, I'm going to um, give you an action item to stay on top of this as more develops. Okay. <laughs> well, the first show that's, uh, I think they're going to live stream it. Um, the one that's in LA, it's on May 4th. So maybe more details will come out before then. Okay, so good to know. We'll stay, we'll stay on top of that. <laughs> Uh, so for our mid to late 20s listeners out there <laughs> who have any idea what we're talking about, uh, uh, go check it out uh, if that's your thing. Um, okay, so before we rack up, rack up, wrap up the intro segment, um, I want to, uh, to bring back uh, the Kyle apologizes for something he said segment. Um, and that is, uh, on the last podcast, I said that... Uh, God told Adam to create a gravy boat. <laughs> okay, this is another case where I should have corrected you. <laughs> so, so yeah, so as we all know, um, it wasn't Adam who created the ark. It was uh, Samson. <laughs> God said, turn your beautiful long hair into a boat and then of course when he cut off all of his hair he lost his power um, to make boats his boat building power yeah yeah <laughs> yeah so then he had to he had to hire his uncle um <laughs> noah is that the right guy <laughs> noah <laughs> that's the one <laughs> the pharaoh uh <laughs> yeah i'm pretty sure it was moses that you're thinking <laughs> sure uh okay so <laughs> I thought maybe you're going to apologize also because we neglected to mention Passover, um, which was also going on. 
I know we weren't talking about Passover. We were talking about Easter, but that also it, happened. They did overlap. That's true. <laughs> okay, this is this is either going to make me sound like a bad Christian or a racist. <laughs> Maybe you shouldn't say it. <laughs> what is Passover? Is that a Jewish thing? It's Jewish. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. Whew. Okay. Um, <laughs> I was literally on the razor's edge. Uh, <laughs> so, um, I guess, okay, fine. Uh, I apologize to all of our Jewish listeners for not mentioning Passover. What, what do they do during Passover? That's the thing where they say, um, they have like a dinner and they say, is tonight the night that the Lord, our Savior comes or something like that? And then Jesus walks into the door, right? Jesus? I think it's pretty close. Is it? But without Are, they're like, they have a big dinner and they're yeah. waiting. Like, I think they say something, like a prayer they, or something like that. And, and it's in reference question. to the Savior coming. It's, um, I think that's right. And it's also a celebration of, um, the Passover from, um, Exodus when Moses, uh, when they had the Passover in Egypt where like the firstborn of every, uh, household was, would died. Yeah, was killed by uh I guess the angel of death or something like that. Is that and so, they put the blood on the Yeah, and so if you put um you like sacrifice a lamb and put the blood over the the door then uh then you were okay. And so all the all the Jews did that and they were okay if they did that and then all the Egyptians who didn't do that uh lost their firstborn. Uh, and so the the uh, the angel of death thing like passed over. That's where the name comes from. Uh, Old Testament stuff is a little bit uh, violent. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I suppose like there's some stuff in the New Testament that's violent too, uh, but Old Testament stuff is like super. Uh, I guess the right phrase would be Old Testament. <laughs> <laughs> um. It's so, kind of amazing with all of the books that they ban for like violence and sexuality and stuff that, uh, you know, the Bible's that not they one don't of them. ban the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> Considering that they're they're banning them for like uh, Christian morality reasons, right, I don't think yeah. it's that surprising. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay, so uh, yeah, I guess that's the the apology um, <laughs> segment. I'm yeah. sure there will be more to come. Melanie, okay. Uh, oh, before I forget, um, I also want to bring back the demanding an apology <laughs> segment. And Melanie, just real quick, I, w- I want to, I want an apology from you for not, uh, for not bringing up the fact that I said Adam instead of Samson. Well, so instead of Samson, <laughs> Samson was the guy with the hair, right? Yeah, he was. He was I'm not, the hair. I'm not making that up. Okay. That part's right. <laughs> Well, I mean, the way that you said it, because you were already creating sort of a hypothetical situation with right. what you were a, saying. I a giant maybe... gravy boat for the soupocalypse. <laughs> right. I thought maybe, you know, maybe you did meet Adam and he never made that gravy boat. And so much later, Noah, you know, that was a totally different situation with Noah. Right. Yeah. The soupocalypse is totally different from the Great Flood. Right. So yeah, that's that why I didn't my... correct you. Yeah. Um. Okay, so that's one thing that I 
I want an apology for. <laughs> um, the other thing is, uh, so I'm going to describe this scenario to you guys, and I just want you to tell me what you would do in this situation. So okay. the other day, uh, I was um, I was going into work. I was running a little bit late. Uh, like, we have a meeting every morning at 9 o'clock, and uh, I was, it, it was like super close. I still had to you know, get from my car into the building and then up the elevator three floors and then into the office to make this call, right? So I'm already in a hurry. And um, the entrance that I go in on uh, has like a security feature where you have to wave a key card in front of it before it unlocks, sort of mm-hmm. like a dorm room or something. Um, or not a dorm room, but like the, the entrance to a dormitory. Um, right. And the security has been sort of repeatedly asking the the people who work uh, in this office building to not, like, let strangers into this door. Um, sure. So, like, uh, because we've had a couple of uh, robberies where somebody has come in and just kind of wandered around in the first floor and stolen, like, a computer. Um, so... Pretty much, if if I see anyone around me outside and I don't know them, I don't like I don't like stand in front of the door Gandalf style and say "You shall not pass." <laughs> <laughs> but I also don't like hold the door open for him, right? Because I don't sure. like I figure if I'm not the one like explicitly letting them in, <laughs> then it, I'm not the one who's uh, to blame here. So I usually just kind of open the door a little bit, sneak in, and then they can use their key card, and that's proof to me that, you know, they belong to this office building, right? Right. So, um, so I'm walking in into the door. I get to the door, and there's a guy who's, like, sort of walking around the side of the building. He's, like, on the grass, not, like, on the paved sidewalk. He's walking around the side of the building. He seems like, I mean, he's dressed in sort of uh, business casual clothing, so he seems like he could work here. Um. But he's walking around the side of the building, uh, which is a little weird. Um, and so I, he's probably like 20 feet away from me, right? So he's not even like right next to me. Uh, so I wave my key card, I open the door, and I walk in. I don't hold the door open for him, right? There's like a, there's a second door about mm, maybe 30 or 40 feet in. So it opens up into like a stairwell that has a long hallway to the main hallway and where that second door is. And so I hear the guy... Uh, behind me, he has used his key card to open the, the outside door. And I'm, at this point, I'm probably like 20 or 30 feet in front of him. And so I figure that's far enough ahead of him that I don't need to stop and hold the door open for him, the inner door. Right. Sure. Right? So I open the door. I kind of, um, I swing it open kind of wide so that maybe it'll still be open by the time he gets to it. <laughs> um, but I don't sit there and hold it open for him. And so, like, I don't know, three or four seconds later, um, I'm lo- I'm walking down the hall, and I hear behind me, <sighs> manners. <laughs> <laughs> just, like, this really passive-aggressive, like, he said it just loud enough so that I could hear him. Like, he totally <laughs> did it on purpose. Oh and, gosh. uh... And if I was the kind of person who was, like, confrontational, I totally would have just turned around and told him to, like, man up and open the f- door himself. I'm going to bleep <laughs> that out later. <laughs> um, but, so, what would you guys have done in this situation? Would you, I, keep in mind that I'm running late, right? I have to, right. they have to get to this meeting. Um, also, keep in mind that this guy looks like he could be, like, a bodybuilder, so he has no trouble 
like opening a door. <laughs> and he did when he wasn't like carrying a lot of stuff either. No, he didn't have anything in his hands. Who can't open their own door? Exactly. And what? it's not like it's not like he was a woman who can't open doors. <laughs> uh, so okay, I should probably come clean. If it was a woman, I probably would have stopped and held the door open for her, um, uh, because I'm chivalrous like that. Uh, but I figure if it's a if it's a man and if it's going to be an inconvenience for me, like if I'm going to have to sit there and like stand there and wait. Like, well, that's way sort of more half awkward. in the door frame. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like, it's not like he it... ran ahead to open the door for you. <laughs> that would be really awkward. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just saying, like, he didn't inconvenience himself for you. Why would you inconvenience yourself and wait that long just for him to catch up? Right, and and that's the thing. I mean, it's not like it's not like I stood on the other side of the door and like held it closed. I mean, it's not like <laughs> right. I inconvenienced him in any way. He right. he would have had to have opened the door if I wasn't there. Exactly. Um, so I don't know. Was that? Would you guys say that I I had poor manners in that situation? No, I don't think so. Do you think the guy had poor manners by passive aggressively saying the yes. word manners after a sigh? Yes. I okay. think that's almost always the case when you uh, when you call out someone else on their manners. You're <laughs> <laughs> you're then illustrating poor manners yourself. <laughs> uh. Do you think I should have said something? I would have wanted to say something, but I wouldn't have just because I'm incredibly non-confrontational anyway. Yeah, that's how I am too. I think you should have stood your ground. <laughs> I should have just I should have just turned around and said, "Were you talking to me?" <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or you um, should have just said the same thing back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just a little bit louder. Or, like, instead of manners, I should have said, like, douchebags or something like that. <laughs> right. Uh, the thing is, that he looked like he could have beaten me up. <laughs> yeah. It's and I know that that's, to... that's not something that, like, as an adult, I'm normally afraid of anymore. <laughs> of, like, getting physically bullied by someone. Right. Um, especially since I'm, you know, like, six foot four and, like, 215 pounds. Like, normally, there's not a lot of people who are bigger than me. Right. Um Certainly there are people who are, like, more muscular than me, but this guy was at least as tall as me and probably had, like, 20 or 30 pounds of pure muscle on top of what I have, so... So uh, it's not a problem for him to open the door himself. <laughs> no, that's what I'm saying. He looked like he was a bodybuilder or something. <laughs> Bodybuilders hate to open doors, though. <laughs> so so here's uh, maybe one um, theory that I have for why this guy um, uh, thought that I had poor manners. Um, and that is, I, I'm pretty sure he works, uh, in one of the companies that does like, um, like temp hiring. And so their entire job is basically meeting with people and talking with people. And I'm thinking that maybe he's just so used to like talking to people who are like always calling him sir or like being like super professional or whatever, or being super mm -hmm. friendly and nice that maybe he just wasn't used to the fact that. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody didn't, like, go out of their way to make him happy. Right. Maybe. Or maybe, you know, because he has all this power, like, giving them jobs, he, like, expects a much higher... Well, kind of what you're just saying, but, like, uh, like he would he would remember you. Like, if you came in and, and were looking for a job, he'd be like, oh, that guy didn't hold the door open for me. And then he, like, wouldn't give you a good job. <laughs> Can I tell you something else that's awkward about this situation? Sure. So, so uh, 
I get to the elevator and I have to wait there for like 20 seconds. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so, <laughs> and so he's sitting there. I'm like, like reading my emails on my phone so that I don't right. have to look up at him. Cause I, like I said, I'm super non-confrontational, right? right. Um, and I, I can imagine that he's just like staring at me or staring at my phone or whatever. Um, <laughs> And then we get on the elevator together because the elevator comes and he's on the second <laughs> floor. Uh, <laughs> and fortunately it wasn't just us. It was like two or three other people on the elevator too. Um, but yeah, still it was, <laughs> it was a pretty awkward like minute of my life. <laughs> Maybe, um, he doesn't get the respect that he feels that he deserves every Maybe, day in his yeah. job. And so. He's, it's just, that was the last straw, and he finally had to call somebody out on it. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, okay, so to wrap up the apology segment, um, guy uh, who I didn't hold the door, door open for, who <laughs> passively, aggressively sighed and then said manners behind me in the hallway, uh, I demand an apology from you. Um, is that, is that sad that I'm demanding an apology on the <laughs> podcast? <laughs> Rather than having just turned around and said something to him. Because <laughs> now that I'm saying it out loud, it sounds super sad. <laughs> uh, okay, well, anyway, um, guy, uh, apology accepted. Um, and uh, and uh, let's take a break. So uh, you guys have been listening to Taekwondo the Shame Chronicles. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back. Um, guys, I wanted to talk a little bit about something that we touched on uh, maybe two episodes ago when I was talking about um, that video game journey. Right. Um, and then I talked about sort of the the games that came out on uh, the Xbox that I was super jealous of. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is something I want to, I want to go back all the way to like, uh, grade school here with this. And that is, uh, are you guys familiar with the console wars? No. Yeah. <laughs> so basically what this is, and it may have started even before the, uh, the Sega Genesis versus Super Nintendo debate, <laughs> but that is uh, basically kids who could only afford, or whose parents only gave them one gaming console would oh. viciously defend that <laughs> console pretty much at all costs. So basically, <laughs> any game that came out on the other system was stupid, and any game that came out on their system was like the greatest ever. <laughs> so, I was thinking a little bit about this, um, and specifically... Uh, with relation to the new gaming systems. I'm talking about the Wii, the PlayStation 3, and the Xbox 360. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have this, I still have this, like, really irrational feeling of, um, uh, like, hatred sometimes. I don't know. Hatred is probably a strong <laughs> word. I, I think the underlying, uh, the underlying emotion is actually, uh, jealousy. But it gets sort of twisted into, um, into like a hate or especially like, uh, well, let me just give you an example. So there's a game that came out on the, the Xbox, uh, Live Arcade, I think is the name of the downloading, downloadable service for Xbox 360. Yeah. Uh, there's a game that came out this past week called Fez, um, which is sort of a, 
puzzle platforming game. It's sort of in... Remember when I said two episodes ago that I was super jealous of when Braid and... Um, what was that other game we talked about? Limbo. Limbo, yeah. When Braid and Limbo came out on um, the Xbox like two years before they came out on the, the PlayStation 3. Um, there's a, there's like a weird thing that happens. Like if it's a... If it's a super awesome game, like if it comes out and it gets really good reviews, like if it gets like tens out of tens or fives out of fives or whatever from various uh, gaming websites, um, if that happens, I'm super jealous. If it's anything less than like a perfect score, I have this like self-righteous like, (laughs) yeah, I told you, I told you you had a stupid Xbox. (laughs) Um, and I have no idea where this comes from. And, and it even happens with Wii games, which is super weird because I have a Wii. So like, <laughs> so like if a, if a Wii game comes out, uh, I think the thing is like, I assume, uh, at this point that, um, that any Wii game that comes out, it's almost like I forget I have a Wii. So like, if it's really good, I'm like, oh, okay. So there's like one good game now and it's probably for babies. Uh, but if like any bad game, if any bad game comes out, I'm like, Man, I can't believe all those suckers who have a Wii. <laughs> um, so, I don't know. Is it? Do you guys feel this for anything? I don't know. I would wouldn't imagine that it always uh, is the same thing with like video games for you guys. But do you ever have this like weird sort of um, sort of jealousy fueled? Uh, I don't know what the what the right word is is for this, but. Rage. Sort of it sounds like rage. It's, I think what it what it comes down to is like justifying, justifying your position. Sure. Um, but then like there are the sort of anomalies that that break down your justification, or mm-hmm. or sort of um, hold up a mirror a mirror to whatever your belief is. Um, but do you guys do you guys feel this in any way for anything? I think. Um... I used to have this with Mac versus PC debate. I think that one is basically the same thing that you're talking about. Right. Um, and then I started, I was in an environment where I was using both of them pretty consistently. And so I, I'm usually the, the person who's like, I'll, you know, whatever I have, I'll use. That's fine. Um, but I think other than like electronic stuff, it actually happens a lot. In, uh, in, in academia, like in, yeah. in literature, like, I guess especially creative writing because people all have different aesthetics about what they want to write. And then it's like automatically most people assume that the other stuff is just crap. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's pretty common. Yeah. Like you'll get, um, it's sort of, especially in creative writing programs, because sometimes a program has a pretty firm identity for like what kind of stuff they write. Um, but I think, um, like our program, I think used to have a firmer identity and it's kind of a little, it's like sort of shifting depending on who's there, it seems like. Um, so it's, maybe you get more of it when it's, when it's not so like, this is what we do. Um, because then you do have more people who are trying out different things and, and nobody's really sure <laughs> if it's good or not because it's not something they're very familiar with. Um, so sometimes you do get that where people will sort of 
feel like I don't know what you're doing and why are you doing that here? (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, you know, but then just as many people could turn around and probably ask them the same thing. So I don't know. I'm being really vague because (laughs) 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 I'm being really vague because these are people that, you know, that know us. So, (laughs) well, I'll be a little less vague about it. Um, not not to uh, like name anybody's name or anything, but it especially comes into play with like genre fiction, um, where for the most part, like in our program, I think the history of it has been people write literary realism, and that's just what they do. That's what the program is about. Um, and then there are lots of different things you can do to experiment with that, but then writing like fantasy novels or fantasy short stories or science fiction or something just wasn't something that people talked about in the workshop at all. In part because there are, there are lots of different things you have to talk about. You have to talk about like conventions and if you've never read any fantasy then you don't really know whether it's good or not sometimes. Um, so that happens a lot and then sometimes what happens is people will write in those genres, and then other people will say this isn't good, and the people who originally wrote in a genre will be like, well, it's just because you don't understand it, but then a lot of times it's just like, no, it's just not good writing. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's objectively bad, and it isn't <laughs> what genre it is. So. Yeah. But that might just be, uh, you know, the Then same. occasionally, like you said, like, Sometimes you will get a story that just the sound of it, you're like, oh, I would hate that story. But then you read it and it's, you know, it's something that's really interesting. And so you sort of have to, if you are one of those people who sort of has like really staunch opinions about what's good or bad writing, then sometimes you do have to shift how you feel about it. I don't really know if that's exactly the same thing (laughs) as what you're talking about. It's kind of similar. Well, okay. So I think it's similar. Um, because I think what it, what it boils down to, uh, after thinking about it for a little bit, is like, we all have sort of opinions for what's good and bad, right? There's, right. there's very few cases where something is, like, objectively good or bad. Right. Um, well, I, maybe I shouldn't say that. Um, if, <laughs> assuming a quality level that's, like, at least, like, average to good, <laughs> um, or like a professional, level of average to good or average to um professional <laughs> um then we need a chart i think yeah so the the chart goes from uh not professional to professional so if it's somewhere in the middle of that chart upwards um there's like if something is like okay to good then uh it's really difficult to judge or, like, usually, if you think something is good and somebody else thinks it's bad, that usually comes down to, like, an opinion, right? Right. Um, so this sort of brings, brings me to another, um, another thing I wanted to talk about that's sort of related, and that is sort of like, uh, seeking out similar opinions to yours yeah. as, a, as a form of, like, self-justification. So, like, um, so, like, after I saw 21 Jump Street, you know, um, we talked about that previously. I was curious, like, what other, like, professional movie reviewers thought of that movie. And so I went to, um, uh, Roger Ebert's website and he had a, he had a review up there and he was pretty positive on it. Um, 
I mean, no, nobody was giving it like perfect scores or anything, but they were all, you know, mostly positive. I don't think I don't think many uh, comedies get like perfect scores these days. <laughs> um, but uh, there were a couple of, of reviews that I read that were like, "Oh, it's just like the stu- same stupid dick joke over and over again," which I can I can see why you would would think that, or why right. why that might not be your bag of tea. But still, I'm like, no, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that is what the movie was, but it was still funny. <laughs> um, <laughs> And uh, and I think this happens a lot. And I think it one place that it, that I that I do see it uh, a lot more than anywhere else is sort of in politics. Um, mm-hmm. Like you'll you'll have your sort of super opinion based news networks, like your MSNBCs and your Fox Newses, that are right. way more popular than like CNN <laughs> uh, or like uh, you know networks that mostly just uh, just tell the news rather than give opinions on the news. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> um. So. So yeah, there's that idea <laughs> that I wanted to throw out there. <laughs> I think. Um, I think the term for it is called uh, confirmation bias. Yeah. And so it's a tendency to seek out opinions that support your hypothesis or that support your beliefs about something, and ignoring the evidence or the opinions that that disagree with it. And it's a pretty common like. Um, bias that happens in, in decision making or uh, research. Yeah, I think that for a lot of people, um, at least like a lot of the people on the internet, are sort of <laughs> are sort of oblivious to this concept. They yeah. they're like, oh yeah, somebody's let it on the internet, so and I agree with it, so it must be true. And anyone who disagrees with it, even though there are like millions of people who who agree with that disagreement of mine uh they're all wrong um and uh so okay so i want to take this one sort of layer it's not i wouldn't really say deeper um but just sort of another example of this where um there's a there's a video game series called call of duty which i'm sure anyone who's played a video game is familiar with this uh this video game series um, there was a, uh, like a lot of the advertising for this game and a lot of like the in-game like features and stuff are sort of, uh, sort of weed-based jokes, <laughs> marijuana-based jokes. Mm-hmm. Um, like, uh, I, I don't play these games, so people are going to have to forgive me if, if you're a fan of these games <laughs> and I'm screwing something up here. But I want to say there's like a game modes that are specifically um, like titled sort of slang terms for getting high. Um, they had a advertising campaign um, for, I think the game was Modern Warfare 2, which is in this series. Um, it was a very short-lived advertising campaign. And uh, basically it was a video... That was sort of a fake um, rallying cry for for a group of gamers that called themselves Friends Against Grenade Spamming. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, you can kind of uh, you can kind of fill in the uh, the acronym there. Um, and so, I I already wasn't planning on buying this game uh, because that's not really my my bag of tea. I think it's usually like. Uh, four to six hours of like a single single player experience and then like playing online against uh 
against people who are racist. Um, <laughs> now, some of them are just homophobic. Sure. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Playing online against bigots. <laughs> Twelve-year-old, twelve-year-old bigots, or uh, or people with like people with babies who are like crying in the background or whatever. Um, <laughs> so. So. Yeah, so I wasn't, I already wasn't planning on buying this game because that's not the experience that I seek out when I play video games, right? But when I saw this advertising campaign, I'm like, I'm like, oh, well, now I'm not going to buy it because of that. Uh, (laughs) which, um, like looking back on it, it's like, yeah, I guess that's a good reason, like, not to buy something. But that wasn't the reason that I wasn't going to buy it. I wasn't going to buy it because I didn't, (laughs) I didn't want to play it. It wasn't because of this sort of, uh, homophobic ad campaign that they had. So, um, I don't know, do you guys ever, <laughs> do you guys ever have something like this where, like, you you weren't planning on getting something, but that, or, like, let's say, uh, we can talk about politics here for, for a second. Um, <laughs> let's say uh, you have, like, a, a Herman Cain type guy <laughs> who you're not going to vote for because you're Democrat, right? There's no possible way you're ever going to vote for Herman Cain because you're a Democrat. Um, and then you find out that uh, he had an affair that lasted 12 years or whatever. Right, yeah. <laughs> Do you ever say, oh, well, now I would never vote for him because he cheated on his wife or whatever, <laughs> right? That's not the reason just, you aren't yeah. going to vote for him. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure I've, I'm sure I've made comments like that <laughs> when there was no possible way that I was ever going to support it in the first place. Right. Yeah, I think, uh, like, back to the, the news network idea, like, when you see something outrageous on, like, Fox News or something, and, uh, you're like, that's why I don't watch Fox News. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, because of their, it's because of their shoddy journalism that they had in this, like, one specific segment. No, it's because I don't, uh-huh. it's because I don't agree with any of their opinions. And it, right. and it just, like, makes me fly off into a rage whenever I see it. Um, Can I tell you real quickly, though, why I do watch CNN? Sure. Anderson and Cooper? And it's not really a, <laughs> yeah, Anderson Cooper, when he giggles. <laughs> I think it's like the best thing ever. <laughs> I feel like that's pretty bipartisan. I mean, <laughs> yeah. It's it's a wonderful thing to experience. Uh, so why do you watch CNN? Or was that no, it? That's, that's why. That was it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, no, I, I pretty much will like, I'll leave it on CNN all day and it'll just repeat the same stuff over and over again. Um, but I, there just isn't that much on TV that I care about watching, so I'll I'll just leave it on CNN a lot. But I especially like uh, when Anderson Cooper starts laughing and can't stop himself. <laughs> <laughs> so the one thing that I don't really like about CNN is that um, a lot of times the the people who are like interviewing like candidates or pundits or whoever it is that they get you know for their interviews on their show. No one ever, like, calls them out on, like, the crazy bullshit stuff that they say. It doesn't matter if yeah. it's Republican or Democrat. It's always just, like, yeah. they always just say, okay, we're going to have to leave it at that and go to commercial break or whatever. Um, yeah. I yeah. want I want a news network, or I maybe I just want to change in the way uh, news is reported, specifically around uh, politics uh, news reporting, where yeah. if somebody says something that's obviously factually incorrect, 
whoever <laughs> whoever is interviewing them should call them out on it because I feel like it's disingenuous for uh, whoever's watching the news right. to to see this to see like this nonsense spouted out of a person um, and and just assume that it's fact because it's being reported on a news network. I think sometimes Anderson Cooper does that. Well, I, yeah, Anderson Cooper is better better about it than than most. And of Piers the people, Morgan I think. does if he really disagrees with the person. <laughs> I think that the, the shows where that, like those, you know, interview shows, those kinds of things, they do that a lot more often than the just like typical headline. Yeah, you know, we're, we're reporting on the on what happened, and you know they, they'll interview people, but they do let a lot of more of that slide. And it's I feel such like. A... Sorry, well, it's just that, like, I think they're trying to counter that. Like, we don't want to put our opinion into this, but when there are things that are just clearly factually wrong, I don't see why that should be a problem. Right. I I think a lot of the problem is so. so I think specifically the people um, or people complain about CNN being sort of uh, a liberal news organization. Basically, anything that's not Fox News. (laughs) <laughs> right. being uh the 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 lamestream media or whatever you want to call it um i think i feel like a lot of times people now are worried that their their credibility is going to be called into question or their impartiality is going to be called into question if they call somebody mm-hmm. out on a on a statement that they made yeah, yeah. which is well, which is just like there's... the worst thing possible <laughs> there's like a fine line too between challenging facts and just being completely belligerent and interrupting people, which is like, I can't stand that. I hate watching news where they're interviewing somebody and they just keep talking over each other or they keep like changing the question as soon as they've asked one because they oh, don't really want to hear what the person has to say. Like, right. Like your, like your Bill O'Reilly's. Yeah. Like just really aggressive interviewing where the whole point is to make points through your questions. To, like, bring up things that people will be like, yeah, what about that? And then, like, don't even (laughs) give the person a chance to respond. Yeah. Can I I just say something? Sorry, go ahead. Well, go ahead. I'll I'll come back. I was just going to say, I watched, um, I think this might have been on, like, The Daily Show uh, or something. You know how they show show clips of other news organizations, like, saying stupid things? Right. Mm -hmm. There's a clip of Bill O'Reilly interviewing somebody... Uh, I want to say this person was, was an atheist, or at least uh, was believed in science <laughs> as, <laughs> as sort of the the uh, the thing that was going to discover sort of the secrets of the universe, right? Um, so Bill O'Reilly asked this person how he could explain the tides, as if <laughs> as if the tides were some sort of magical thing that nobody knew. Like what? why they happened, <laughs> and and the weird thing is that the other guy, the guy who was interviewing, I want to say he was joking when when he said this, but he says <laughs> it's like, well, how do you know? Well, he said, well, okay, if science can't explain it, then how do you know that God did it? Could have been Zeus. <laughs> <laughs> but I but I feel like Bill O'Reilly by the end of this interview wasn't shamed into <laughs> into realizing <laughs> that the moon causes the tides. Right? right. I feel like somebody should shame him. I just want to see him be shamed <laughs> on his show. So bad. <laughs> well, this goes back to your own uh, your own confirmation bias, Kyle. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> you feel that other people should be feeling the shame that you, 
No, you have a <laughs> podcast that's called Shame Chronicles. So. <laughs> yeah, we're we're moving on from chronicling our own shame into chronicling other people's shame. <laughs> <laughs> uh, One of ours told me once that um, you make the best friends by uh, finding people who hate the same things you do. Like common common goals or hobbies or interests, it's really about you hate the same things. <laughs> That's true. There's and the, like if you even go back to like high school, um, or junior high or whatever, like a lot of times the groups of kids that like form up sort of naturally, they don't mm-hmm. form up because of like common interests. They form up because they hate all the other groups. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I guess I guess a lot of times it is common interests, but it's really like uh like what they sit around and talk about, like complain about all the time. Is the right. other kids that are not in their group? Yeah. Does this ever happen with you and Lauren that like one of you will have an opinion and the other one doesn't share it, and you're like, "Why aren't you agreeing with me?" <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. But so if it's something that's sort of politics related, um, like she's not allowed to say anything that might disagree with uh, the president. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> so like I might bring something up, and maybe maybe even internally she agrees with me, but she's not allowed to like say anything. To the mm-hmm. contrary, I might have to cut all this out. I'm not sure. <laughs> um, uh, so basically, she'll just say, "I don't, I don't, I can't talk about it" or something like that. Um, yeah. But there are other scenarios that aren't politics related. <laughs> uh, like, like we we have a debate about whether or not it's a good idea for science, uh, specifically computer scientists, to pursue creating artificial intelligence. Right. Um. Where I think that uh, you can't stop progress and that it's going to happen. And she thinks that um, it's inevitable that we're going to enslave them at some point, And that yeah. it would be morally wrong to continue down the path now. Huh. And we just, we, have, we just have this intractable disagreement on the subject. <laughs> and, so, and so after like probably like 10 to 15 discussions over the course of our marriage, we've basically just decided not to bring it up. <laughs> Well, I was gonna bring up an example, but it's not nearly <laughs> that uh, not nearly that serious. <laughs> okay, yeah, we disagree about a lot of stupid things. <laughs> yeah, we do. <laughs> no, I just was thinking um, the other day. Uh, well, so we we watch Mad Men. Uh-huh. Do you ever watch the show? I do, but I haven't seen any of the new season yet. Okay, well, I won't give anything away, but. I had a theory about the the most recent show that came on last Sunday. And I was like so proud of myself because I thought like oh I'm brilliant that I came up with this theory about like what the what they were trying to like communicate through the episode. And so we're like driving in the car to go get frozen yogurt <laughs> and I'm like and I just sort of like do you think that what they were doing was blah 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 and Josh was like what <laughs> and uh and i just sort of kept talking for a little while and then like as i was talking i was sort of like you know finessing my point and um and it sort of devolved into an argument about what i had originally said and what i ended up saying towards the end of the conversation because he was like he was like he just kept saying like you really think that like i don't i don't know and so by the end of it i was just like well this is ridiculous i was like i just thought you would agree with me <laughs> <laughs> so that happens sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> it happens a lot, actually. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, I want to say that that probably happens. I think normally um, I'm the one who brings something up expecting Lauren to agree with me. <laughs> uh, but I think we both have sort of a um, like an inner debatist inside of us. Yeah. That even if we agree with the other person, a lot of times we'll play devil's advocate. <laughs> just, Josh just, does that too. Just for the argument. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that's um, really where the problem comes in. Yeah, because <laughs> he'll argue. He'll argue the like the semantics of the argument rather than like what clearly I arrived at as my final point. And he was like, "But but what you originally said was whatever." <laughs> I'm like, "Yeah, but I said my my new point is this." <laughs> Part of the problem too is that um, I think, as a as a sort of arguing style, um, Melanie is more of like a philosopher, where it's like, I think this big idea, mm-hmm. and then my answer is almost always, well, it really depends. Just more <laughs> of like a rhetorician style. <laughs> Let's think about all the possible ways in which. There's an exception to what you said, uh, which can be pretty, I think can be pretty frustrating. I think that happens a lot. Like, so I'm also sort of a sort of a big ideas kind of person. Like, I'll like. So here's an example of something that um, that I have uh, posed uh, to Lauren to to get her feedback on, but she hasn't replied back to me. I sent it to her in an email. Um, <laughs> but this is the kind of thing that she would argue with me about. And that is, uh, I saw an article, uh, somebody posted it on Facebook the other day about, um, companies like, companies that have like billion dollar profits over the past year that paid no money in taxes, mm-hmm. uh, because they funnel it into like other countries or whatever. I don't know exactly how they do it, how they get around mm-hmm. the loopholes of, of paying taxes. But my thought was, um, it would be a sort of a change to the way we do politi- political uh, or, um, yeah, I guess political, like, campaign donations. Um, mm-hmm. And that is, you can only donate, uh, like, a tenth of what you paid in taxes. So, like, and there'd be some minimum value that you could always donate to. So, like, if you're if you're poor enough to not pay any taxes, you could still participate in the uh, political system by donati- donating money if you so chose to. Like up to like a thousand dollars or something, and then every dollar over that would be what you paid in taxes divided by ten. So like if you paid ten thousand dollars in taxes, you could you could give somebody, and this is sort of all all political campaigns. Um, this is lobbying groups. Anything that's politically motivated uh, would count towards this this total that you could not exceed based on how much you paid in taxes. And the point would be that these companies that are sort of ripping off the United States of America by uh, participating in um, the United States' economy, um, reaping all the benefits, but then not giving anything back, mm-hmm. basically wouldn't be able to uh, pay lobbying groups or directly pay people's campaigns to further their own uh, sort of... Um, agenda? It, but, yeah, further further their own agenda to help their company out. Um uh-huh. And so I, there'd still probably be like loopholes around this, and those are the kinds of things that Lauren would bring up. <laughs> She'd be like, "Well, people would just like they'd find out some like mathematically perfect equation where they could still just barely pay the <laughs> pay the minimum <laughs> amount of taxes and donate as much as they want." Right. I like that idea. 
Uh, yeah, normally when I try to think of these scenarios, I keep her, <laughs> my, uh, uh, my guess of what her reaction is going to be. I keep that in mind. <laughs> and I try to basically keep like silver plating my idea until it's, it's in my mind sort of infallible. <laughs> <laughs> See, my problem is the second I have an idea, I say it. And then I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like well, that's not exactly what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, so that happens a lot. Like when, uh, so now I have a lot of time to think about these things because Lauren's not here. Like, if she was just sitting next to me, I'd be like, what if? <laughs> what if we just didn't let people, you know, pay more than they had, that they paid in taxes? And then she'd come back and say, well, corporations make billions of dollars and pay billions of dollars in taxes. So they would be <laughs> theoretically able to donate billions of dollars. So, right. um, Which I don't they know. can now, so that's... <laughs> yeah. So I think, well, I don't want to... Man, we've talked about religion. We've talked about politics. <laughs> uh, I feel I don't like wanna, I don't want to keep pretty much in the middle on a, on a lot of that stuff, though. Yeah, except for all the stuff I said about Bill O'Reilly. Um, <laughs> well, if you're let's just assume you could apply that to at least one anchor on MSNBC, and right? Then, like Rachel Maddow, or oh God, there's some. Oh, there's Keith Olbermann's one I can't stand. Yeah, I can't stand him either. But he's been fired from like all of his jobs, so. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like he's gotten his due. Um, <laughs> he's been shamed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, there's somebody else who comes on like right after Rachel Maddow. I think. Um, I don't. I don't really watch MSNBC, so I don't know who it is. But. Um, but yeah, whoever that person is, I I would be okay <laughs> with saying the same things that I said about Bill O'Reilly. It's just that I don't know who that person is. So. <laughs> I hate, there's nothing I hate more when somebody goes on a show, and I I pretty much exclusively watch CNN, so like, if somebody goes on, on a show as like, you know, the person they're going to interview, there's nothing I hate more when that person, and I agree with their point, when they are that belligerent and obnoxious. I'm like, <laughs> I agree with you, but please don't act this way. <laughs> like, yeah. you're ruining it, what, like, you're making it impossible for anybody who even slightly disagrees with you to then come around to your side. Whereas if you were just like calm and like, you know, and not belligerent, maybe people would listen to what you have to say. Yeah. Well, and I also, uh, like what you were talking about with O'Reilly and the, the scientists, I feel like so many of those shows, they bring someone on who's basically like a straw man who was like, right. I'm going to argue with this person. And they're like horrible. Uh, they're like the worst representative <laughs> yeah. of that idea. Right. Yeah. Yeah, like, Bill O'Reilly wouldn't have, like, uh, what's his name? Like, Richard Dawson, I think. Dawkins. He's like, Dawkins? I think. That doesn't sound right. That's, that's like a combination of Stephen Hawking and... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, basically he's like the sort of leader of the belligerent, uh, atheist movement. Um, It's Dawkins also, sorry. Dawkins, okay. Uh, yeah, like, he wouldn't have somebody who disagrees with his point, but could make, like, could argue that point in a coherent way. Yeah. Uh, without right. getting flustered by sort of the interjections that, that Bill O'Reilly is famous for, so. Right. Um, well, okay, enough, enough talking about Bill O'Reilly and politics in general. Um, what were we talking about originally? The sort of self-justification? Yeah, confirmation yeah. bias. Confirmation bias, yeah. Um, I don't. I don't think I have anything else I want to say about this. Do you guys have anything else? <laughs> no. Um. 
I would say that I wish more people understood that it exists <laughs> because, you know, it's one thing, like you said, with the, the PlayStation and, you know, the console war where you realize, well, I know that this is why I'm doing this. <laughs> and I think at that point, it's like, well, then it's fine that you continue to do that. But when people then, you know, they don't realize it's a possibility and then they're making their belief systems around, you know, well, they said it on Fox News, so I believe it. Or <laughs> they said it on MSNBC, so I believe it. Because right. it happens to agree with what I already believed. You know. Right, yeah. And I think going back to what we said in like maybe episode six or seven um, about uh, white male privilege or privilege in general, mm -hmm. uh, it's one of those like sort of super destructive forces where if you don't know it exists, it's like so much worse. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, okay, so on that note, <laughs> now that <laughs> now that I have killed this conversation, um, let's take a break. Uh, you guys have been listening to Taekwondo and the Shame Chronicles. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back. Um, we're gonna, well, we're not gonna wrap up this show quite yet, but uh, in our penultimate segment, um, we have a new uh, versus edition, and this is. Uh, this is the edition that I'm calling the the nerdy edition because it's about theoretical physics. Oh, super. <laughs> <laughs> um and so in in each of these uh contests, uh each of these rounds, uh I'm going to name the two things and then you guys or at least Melanie, you're probably not going to know what they are. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm going to do my best to explain them, and then you're going to choose. Okay. <laughs> uh, so sort of like, imagine um, if every round was dub versus dubstep. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's going to be that. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay, so the first round is Neutron Star versus Magnetar. Melanie might... Uh... She might be up on some of this because we've been watching uh, the universe, the History Channel series. Oh yeah, that's cool. But yeah, she, but she usually I usually fall asleep. asleep so. <laughs> cool <laughs> and boring. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like it actually. I like the show, but we always watch it in bed before we go to sleep, and I just get really tired. Oh, okay. So you'll have to tell me what those are. Okay, I so... do know about antimatter, just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. the The coolest thing about antimatter is that when it comes into contact with regular matter, <laughs> they call that process annihilation. Yeah. Um. Okay. So a neutron star is sort of the remnant of a um of a star that has exploded in a supernova, uh, where. Basically, matter has fallen back into the star, and it has condensed to the point where the atoms that make up the the star's matter, they're under so much gravitational pressure that it forces the electrons into the uh, into the center of the atom, uh, which they call the something. <laughs> Help me out here. Nucleus. Yes, nucleus. Um, <laughs> Where the electron combines with uh, the uh, Jesus Christ, I'm gonna protons. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> it's 
<laughs> Did I mention that uh, I fell asleep at around 5.30 this morning? Um, okay, so... So basically all that's left, uh, because the the uh, protons and the electrons uh, combine together, they form a neutron. And so the only thing that's left are atoms that are composed of neutrons. Um, this is something that is uh, incredibly dense, uh, but it's not quite at a black hole level yet. Okay. Um, so... Some interesting facts about the neutron star are that uh, if you are at the surface of the star, um, there's uh, there's a sort of a differential in uh, the gravitational force, meaning you know like uh, the closer you are to the Earth, the more gravity you've, uh, that is uh, imposed on you, right? Mm-hmm. So like if you're if you're standing on top of Mount Everest, you'll weigh less than if you're standing at sea level. Um, so if you are standing on the neutron star, um, if that were possible, uh, the gravity differential between sort of the surface of the star and one inch above the star is so great that it would literally tear you apart. Like it would, it would pull that bottom inch of your feet away from your feet. And that would happen at basically every, every layer, every level uh, you know, up past your head. So basically you would just be completely torn apart if you were to stand on one of these things. Okay. Um, it's roughly, uh, the mass of one to two suns, um, but condensed to the size of, like, Brooklyn. Oh, I think we did he- hear about this thing. Yeah, we've did heard we about judge? it okay. a, number, a number of times. Okay. <laughs> I remember that comparison. <laughs> I think they always uh, they always say Manhattan. I think. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, sure. Uh, because of the uh, the uh, nuclear physics connotation, I guess that Manhattan brings. Exactly. Um, okay. So then, a magnetar is basically a neutron star that has a really powerful magnetic field. Um, and the magnetic field is so powerful that it's almost sort of impermeable. Um, where if the magnetic field sort of cracks at all, like in one location, it sort of sends a, a quake or a magnetic wave around the entire thing and lets off an incredible amount of, uh, of radiation, of like gamma rays in every direction. Okay. Um, so, and I, I want to say that the neutron star and the magnetar, at least I think the neutron star has been discovered. Uh, the magnetar, I think, is a theoretical um, entity. Okay. I think that's right. So we're supposed to say which one's better? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Who's going to go first? Um, how about... Melanie, how about you go first, since you have the the all-time lead in versus (laughs) segments? Well, I would say a magnetar, because it has all of the perks of a... What is it? A neutron star. (laughs) A neutron star. (laughs) But it also has a magnetic field. (laughs) (laughs) So I would say more is better. (laughs) <laughs> okay, Josh. 
Um, I'm going to say Neutron Star um, because it, while it can be a Magnetar, it can also be other things like well, a Pulsar or a Quasar. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, this is basically uh, this is like the opposite of your your argument, Ani. So, whereas the the magnetar is like neutron star plus, that's only one version of it. And so, I didn't know honestly, a neutron star could be other things. Well, it could be a magnetar for one thing. Well, yeah, <laughs> but but I didn't know it could be other things. <laughs> Also, I like, um, they always talk about, you know, like, if you have, like, a teaspoon of, uh, magnetar, or, uh, neutron star material, how heavy it would be, and it's, like, the kind of thing that would, like, just sink to the middle of the earth. And, <laughs> right, just so, sound, like, like a fun experiment, you know, let's see what, what would happen. <laughs> So you could this do is... that experiment on a magnetar also because it would be the same as a neutron star. <laughs> well, it'd be tougher to it'd be tougher to get material because uh, because of the gamma radiation and because of the the repellent uh, magnetic uh, force field around the, the magnetar. So. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I promise the other contests aren't going to be sort of. Uh, as as weird as this one, well, they'll probably still be weird, but um, they won't be sort of a, as ambiguous. I think this one is a little a little tough because, as you both sort of pointed out, a magnetar is a neutron star. So, um, really, the question is, uh, do we think that a magnetar is cooler than a regular neutron star, <laughs> or do we think a neutron star is cooler because it encompasses many different types of objects? Right. Um, and you didn't say the thing about it encompasses many different types of objects. <laughs> I, uh, okay, <laughs> Melanie. <laughs> Wait, did I win? <laughs> Hold on just a second. So uh, I'm looking at the Wikipedia page for Magnetar right now. And it says that, uh, Josh, to go back to your point of, like, uh, a small amount of material from, you know, one of these stars, what would it do? Mm-hmm. Uh, this is saying that a thimble full of magnetar substance, sometimes referred to as neutronium, mm-hmm. would have a mass of over 100 million tons. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, sounds like a lot. Yeah, 100, 100 million ton thimble. Um, so I think the main difference between a magnetar and a neutron star, uh, and this is what causes the magnetic fields in the magnetar, is that uh, most of the time neutron stars uh, have a really fast rate of spin, um, and if they are sort of emitting radiation, that is called a quasar or pulsar, I think, um, which uh, we have seen, uh, we've observed these, basically we can detect the radiation and we can see how fast the star is spinning. Um, a magnetar, on the other hand, doesn't spin very fast, and I think that that slow rate of uh, spin uh, allows the magnetic uh, field to form. Um, so I'm going to give you guys one more opportunity to change your answers if you want to, uh, or you don't have to. I'll keep my answer. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
Defiantly, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like there was something else. Oh, I was going to say also, well, no, I'll just leave it. I was going to keep my answer, but yeah, I'm good. <laughs> okay. So, um, Melanie, you win. It's Magnetar. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. uh, <laughs> but, Josh, you get, you get half a point because... <laughs> Because a neutron star is a magnetar, or vice versa. Magnetar is a Aww, neutron star. That's so dumb. he has a built-in point just because he was wrong. No, it's not because he was wrong. It's because <laughs> the question was kind of bad. <laughs> that's not fair. It's not. You won. You should. Uh, you should. Yeah. Have a you're I up should by... get a whole, whole point ahead of you. I should get a point and a half. Okay. Okay, fine. Melanie, you get a point and a half. Josh, you get half a point. Does that make you feel better, Melanie? Yes. Okay. Um, let's go to the next round. So this is Galaxy versus Supermassive Black Hole. I know the answer and... to this. <laughs> Uh, okay, Melanie, since you're in the lead, uh, you get to go first. I'm going to say a supermassive black hole. Okay. Sounds way cooler. <laughs> uh, it can probably suck up a galaxy. I don't know. Uh, it's a Muse song. <laughs> <laughs> and those are my reasons. All That's right. <laughs> You should also mention the uh, potential for for puns. Um, yeah. On supermassive black hole. Yeah. Well, it's a sounds dirty. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it's necessarily a pun as much as it is just <laughs> just a punchline, a dirty sounding punchline. Tell us how. Um, what were the two things? Supermassive black hole and what? Galaxy. Galaxy. Um, what makes a supermassive black hole? Well, I feel like. Okay. Josh, well, Melanie, your your answer was supermassive black hole, right? Josh, do you have an answer? Before I go uh, into the explanation. Um I'm gonna I'm gonna say supermassive black hole as well, actually. Um say well, no wait, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna change my answer before I've even made it. Um, I'm gonna say galaxy because um, from what I understand, most most galaxies at the middle at this at their center have do have a supermassive black hole, so they would then contain the uh, the other thing. So I'm gonna go with galaxy. Basically, the same reason that I went for uh, neutron stars. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so now I'm gonna get into the explanation um, before giving you the the answer. Um, Josh, you are correct. Uh, it is theorized that every galaxy has a supermassive black hole in the center of it. Um, basically, the way that these things form is, uh, you know, galaxies are basically giant, uh, cosmological objects, um, in the vacuum of space that, uh, that are massive enough that, uh, you know, they, they pull all of the matter inward into the center, and that center, uh, has enough matter in it that it compresses and forms a black hole. Um, some 
of the black holes at the center of a galaxy are in the so-called feeding state, and what that means is that uh, basically matter from that galaxy are falling into the black hole uh, and then sort of being uh, ejected out uh, out of the galaxy as radiation. So uh, what happens is stars or entire solar systems, I guess, will fall into the black hole um, and that matter, as it gets destroyed when it crosses the uh, the uh, event horizon of the black hole, <laughs> uh, basically gets converted into uh, into energy, into the form of radiation. So there literally is always a competition between a galaxy and its supermassive black hole. Um, and my understanding, or at least this is my... Uh, I'm going to pose this simple thought experiment to you. Um, if the galaxy is sort of being pulled uh, inward towards the center, if it's sort of rotating about the center, on a long enough timeline, I'm pretty sure the supermassive black hole is going to win versus the galaxy. And so that is the answer to this question. That's what it, it's winning makes it the winner. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> there's, there's literally, I mean, the galaxy is basically at the whim of its supermassive black hole. It rotates around it. Uh, if it gets too close to it, it gets destroyed. It literally just gets eaten by the, by the black hole. So, um, the answer to this question is supermassive black hole. Yes. My, uh, my defense would be then that it could be possible. I think, um, if I understand dark energy correctly, that if you had enough dark energy expanding the galaxy, then it, it, it might have the possibility of, um, es escaping the supermassive black hole. But then it would also destroy itself because it would be <laughs> expanding so rapidly. So that might not be uh, a justification. Right, right. Um, this is the theory that, uh, sort of the universe is expanding um, and it's ex the expansion is actually accelerating mm -hmm. um, and that right now it's on these sort of giant uh, uh, scales of, of physical space um, but the theory is that once it has accelerated enough it'll sort of go down to the uh, the galaxy level and then eventually down to the sort of um, uh, smaller features of the galaxy and then to stars and then eventually to planets and like physical atoms where everything yeah. will just sort of at the very end just sort of fly apart from each other because this this force that's causing the the galaxy to expand at this rate um, is stronger than sort of the force of gravity or even uh, eventually will be stronger than the strong and weak magnetic forces that holds atoms together right um, but you're right. If that happens, the galaxy will be destroyed. <laughs> so, also, I'm not sure. Case, uh, there, there are no winners, I believe. <laughs> yeah. Um, that actually raises kind of an interesting point because, uh, I, I don't know what would happen to the black hole in that scenario. Um, would it, would it stay a black hole or would it fly apart? My understanding is that once something becomes a black hole, it sort of can't unbecome a black hole. Like, stuff yeah. can't come back out of it. So, that's my scientific explanation. <laughs> uh, okay, so now we have uh, our score is two and a half to, to half. half. 
<laughs> this is a really stupid scoring scheme. Um, okay. Thank you, mommy. <laughs> um, this one uh, is going to be worth one and a half points, just to hopefully hopefully even it out a little bit. Um, this is Hawking radiation versus tachyons. And I'm assuming I'm going to have to explain this a little bit. Yeah. Um, okay, so Hawking radiation, uh, this is named after Stephen Hawking. It was sort of discovered by him. Well, not really discovered, but sort of imagined by him. And then I think at some point later it was discovered to actually exist. And basically this is... Um, there are these particles that exist in the vacuum of space that sort of spontaneously split apart and then form back together. Um, and this sort of happens all the time, uh, sort of uh, regardless of, of any particular event that's occurring. This just happens in in space. These, uh, these subatomic particles that do this. Um, now, this is related to a black hole in that... You know, once something uh, crosses the point of no return of a black hole, which is called the event horizon, um, it can't escape again. So what this is, is that these particles that are splitting, one of the particles might fall across the event horizon of the black hole, meaning that it can't recombine with the other part that split off. Right. Um and so basically what happens is this other piece that gets split off uh, gets split off in the form of radiation away from the black hole. So that's what Hawking radiation is. Um, a tachyon is a theoretical particle that is able to move faster than the speed of light um, and is therefore capable of traveling back in time. <laughs> and that's all I know about a tachyon. <laughs> okay. A tachyon, this is the kind of thing that uh, science fiction writers love, because it's basically <laughs> space magic. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so your two options are Hawking radiation or tachyons. Am I going first again? Yeah, yeah since you're in the lead. you're always winning. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, my initial thought was that I was going to say tachyon, just because it sounded funny. Um, but there's, there's a nice poetry to the Hawking radiation. It's like really sad. So, <laughs> so I'm going to go with the uh, depressing one, <laughs> the Hawking radiation. All right, Josh. I am going to say, um, tachyon, um, because of the, this, the uh, space magic aspect of it that it's, it has a potential um, creating uh, space travel that is faster than the speed of light which would mean that you know we might actually be able to explore the, the universe at some point um, and because I think that physics gets really interesting when there's the possibility of something going faster than the speed of light so that's my answer. All right. So, um, Josh, you are correct. Uh, <laughs> tachyons uh, are sort of, I, even though they have not been discovered to exist, 
They so are. Wait, does he get an imaginary point? <laughs> no, I get a theoretical. He gets a he gets a real one and a half points. Um, <laughs> that has traveled back in time. Um, so tachyons are exciting, uh, purely based on the fact that um, Einstein predicted that nothing could, uh, nothing with mass could uh, approach the speed of light. Right. Um. So light can go the speed of light, but nothing else can. Mm-hmm. Um, so tachyons are interesting in that they can go faster than the speed of light, but they can't slow down to the speed of light. Um, which pro- poses sort of a weird problem <laughs> with, like, if you were going to try to use this for space travel... How do you accelerate yourself faster than the speed of light when nothing can approach the speed of light? Um, but I still think that it's uh, a really fascinating thing. And also it was used as a major plot point in uh, that movie uh, based on <laughs> based on the graphic novel The Watchmen. Um, have you guys seen this movie? Yeah. Or read, or read the graphic novel? Yeah, we saw the movie. Uh, do you remember um, Dr. Manhattan... Uh, mm-hmm. he was basically able to see the future uh, as part of the superpowers that he had. However, um, it was predicted that uh, in the uh, the sort of global nuclear apocalypse that tachyons would be created. Um, and these tachyons, since they fly back in time, uh, they're basically a form of like time radiation, I guess. They were blocking his ability to see the future. And also making him think that in the future there was going to be a nuclear apocalypse. But it turned out that uh, one of the characters, the main bad guy, had just been, had figured out a way to create these tachyons without uh, a nuclear explosion. Hmm. So I think that plot point was pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Melanie, you're right. There is sort of a, an, an interesting... Um, I think you you put it as poetic, uh, <laughs> uh, sort of uh, connotation or um, situation resulting out of Hawking radiation. Um, my understanding, and I could be completely wrong on this point, uh, is that these particles are sort of uh, almost created out of nothing, um, and. And basically, these two particles are created and then come back together to form nothing again. So it's almost like a weird, uh, almost like a separated at birth, <laughs> but then <laughs> um, <laughs> in the end, uh, getting buried in the same coffin kind of thing. And that's how you're expected to live your life, sort of with this partner. Very short-lived life. Uh, I think these last, <laughs> like, on the on the order of, like, nanoseconds. Uh, but, but if it, if you lose your partner, what happens in that case? This is sort of almost like a fundamental law of, uh, of physics being violated, except obviously it's not being violated. Um, but still, I think tachyons are, are cooler for their sort of space magic properties. So. Do particles feel pain? (laughs) Um, that's a good question, Melanie. You don't have to answer that. <laughs> I'll just pretend they do. <laughs> I'm pretty uh, sure you could get a research grant for that. 
<laughs> it turns um, out like we can't do anything anymore because uh, particles experience pain, and so just causing <laughs> immense suffering by by being alive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay, so I think the score is now two and a half to two. Yeah. Melanie, Wait. I should have I should have like subtracted half a point from you. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Two and a half to two. Um. Okay, so this next one uh, is probably going to be. Well, I'll see if I can explain this. This is baryonic matter versus leptonic matter. And um, a baryon is basically normal, everyday matter that you're familiar with. Like, it has mass, it has um, sort of uh, electromagnetic fields that hold like the atoms together or whatever. Um, whereas a lepton, the only... Uh, the only force that acts upon it is gravity, and it's a very weak gravitational force because these things have very little mass. So um, a baryon would be something like your uh, your neutrons, your protons, basically almost all matter that you're familiar with, whereas a, lept- a lepton would be like a neutrino, which is mm-hmm. uh, sort of almost like imagine a photon, except um, <laughs> you're... Are you at least familiar with what a photon is? (laughs) I have a photograph in my pocket. My favorite photon. (laughs) Imagine your favorite photon. Okay. Um, So a neutrino is something that basically moves like like a photon. It's like a particle of light almost, except that it doesn't interact with matter very easily. So like it'll just pass straight through the Earth. Uh, without touching anything, without touching any matter inside of it to change its course or to stop it. Um, the only thing that really affects uh, these uh, neutrinos is large um, sources of gravity. So, <laughs> so your possible choices are baryons or leptons. Well, I'm gonna I say lep. Go you get to go first. Yeah. Is it, oh, is it who's winning or who answered the last question? It's who's oh. winning. Unless okay, I suppose if I suppose if you're not in the lead and you want to go first, you can. No, that's fine. I'll, I'll let Melanie go. I'm gonna. Is it lepton or lepton? Lepton. L e p t o n. Okay, I'm gonna go with leptons because those sound exotic. Uh, the other ones just sound normal. <laughs> <laughs> So, leptons sound special, so I'm going to pick them. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm going to go uh, with baryons. Is that pronounced right? I think so. I don't actually know how to pronounce these words. I just know what um, they look like. It's B-A-R-Y-O-N. That sounds good. Uh, because um, without them, we wouldn't exist. Oh, oh Josh. <laughs> uh, they, they do, in fact, make up the matter that, that constitutes <laughs> us. <laughs> um, okay, so the final answer, Melanie, you chose Lepton, Josh, you chose Baryon. Okay, I don't want to spend a ton of time on this question because it's sort of uh, 
crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I'm going to choose Lepton because, Melanie, you're right. It's more exotic. Uh, (laughs) Even though a Lepton is basically useless (laughs) (laughs) for, for humans... In that uh, we can we can detect them. We do know they exist because we can detect them. We have like these big underground uh, detectors where if a neutrino happens to hit like a like a water molecule in this big tank, there are these detectors that can detect the energy released from that collision. And basically, there's like billions or trillions of neutrinos flying around through like every square meter of of space uh or every square meter of volume uh, even on the earth and the reason why they bury this thing underground this detector underground is so that it doesn't get detected by any other form of radiation like light or uh, like gamma rays or whatever Mm -hmm. Uh, but neutrinos can still make it through and get detected in this detector and i think the fact that these can just pass straight through everyday matter (laughs) but we still have like the off chance of detecting that they exist (laughs) with our Mm -hmm. With our very material uh, detectors, I think that that the fact that we can do that is pretty cool. Yeah, it's right. pretty strange. Yeah. Um. Okay, so this is going to be the final question, and I think this one might be a little easier to answer than the other ones. Um. Actually, let's. I'm going to throw in a bonus question real quick before we get to this one. <laughs> um. So Melanie, you have three and a half points, and Josh, you have two points. Yes. Yep. Okay, I'm going to make this one another one-and-a-half-point contest here. So um, this is the the infinity of space versus the Planck length. The what? The Planck length. (laughs) What is that? This is the uh, theoretical minimum length that can be measured or that anything can exist. Basically, nothing can exist smaller than this, uh, than this length that we have, that somebody has called the Planck length. I think it was discovered by Max Planck. Is that, is that who, is that who that guy's name is? (laughs) Probably screwing that up. His last name is Planck. Okay. Well, how small is that? Um, so imagine, Okay, you, you won't be able you won't be able to imagine this. Yeah, but it's so small, um, you can't really uh, you can't imagine it. <laughs> but basically, take a atom, and you know how I don't know if you've ever uh, had this visualization explained to you, but say that the nucleus of an atom is a um, a tennis ball sitting in the middle of a football field. Okay. The end zone of the football field is where the electrons would be. In this atom. Okay. Okay. So imagine sort of that length between the neutron and the electron. Imagine how tiny that must be. Wait. Even though even though from the perspective of the of the atom it's a huge distance. Where's the tennis ball on the football field? It's on the it's on the fifty yard line in the middle. Oh, okay. So fifty yards away would be where the electrons are. Okay. Okay. Now Imagine, this is going to be, you can't imagine this part, but <laughs> the subatomic particles, the protons, neutrons, electrons, all of these things are made up of smaller particles called quarks, which I don't know for certain, but I would imagine that the the sort of relative distances of these things are probably about the same. 
where the distance between them would be, if they were the size of a tennis ball, would be about 50 yards away. So even even smaller, like way smaller than like an electron or a, or a proton, right? Okay. A Planck length is like a billion times smaller than that distance. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's basically the tiniest possible distance imaginable that's not zero. <laughs> okay. So, okay, so your two options are the uh, the unknowable infinity of space versus the also somewhat unknowable but finite <laughs> smallest distance or length that anything can be. Okay. Am I going first? Yeah. I'm going to pick the infinity of space because it has greater possibilities. <laughs> <laughs> All right. To infinity and beyond. <laughs> it's a lot more hopeful. <laughs> um, so I'm going to go with the opposite of that. <laughs> hopelessness. I'm going to go with hopelessness. <laughs> no possibilities. And, uh, I'm going to say that, um, I'm going to say the plank length because, uh, while it is essentially unimaginable, it is also a measurable quantity. Um, and so I think while our minds aren't really capable of um, comprehending it, it is something that you can build on. So you can like, you can put up enough plank links together that you get like, you know, an inch eventually. Um, and so that accumulation of, of all those links then, uh, is something that you can do something with. <laughs> so hope after all. <laughs> until, you, until you consider the infinity of, that is the universe. Can you can you measure the infinity of the universe with Planck lengths? <laughs> uh, I'm going to say yes. <laughs> all right. Um, Josh, you win. Uh, the Planck length... So the infinity of space is definitely interesting. Uh, and very cool to think about. But I also just think it's fascinating that somebody has discovered that there's a fundamental smallest possible thing that can exist. Um, that's even smaller than anything that we know to exist. Uh, but that somebody has figured out that there is sort of a minimum limit on something about the universe. I just think that that's completely fascinating to think about. So that's why I'm going with Planck Length. Well, what if I'm morally opposed and I don't believe in plank lengths? Um, that's fine. What then? You, you, still, you, also, you, you still lose this round? The of the universe, is that right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I think we're tied up now. I did that on purpose. Well, I mean, I didn't, I didn't choose the answer on purpose. I, I posed the points in a way that hopefully it would come out that way. And you guys chose correctly, so... All right. Um, so what are we up? So I think three and a half to three and a half. Three and a half to three and a half? Yeah. Okay. So the final question uh, of this uh, this edition of Versus is the Big Bang versus the Big Crunch. <laughs> What's that? So <laughs> It's a Nestle product, I believe. <laughs> so the Big Crunch is... Remember what I was talking about earlier when we were talking about... Uh, the galaxy and how 
there's sort of a, a force in the vacuum of space that's pushing things apart, accelerating the expansion of the universe. Mm-hmm. The big crunch is the theory that at some point um, the expansion is going to stop and it's going to start compressing again. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically at the end result is going to be that the entire universe compresses back down into the singularity that caused the Big Bang. Or okay, well, to something okay. resembling the singularity that caused the, the Big Bang. Okay. And then what? Uh, who knows? And, and then we do it all over again. <laughs> <laughs> they they call it a singularity because nobody can see past that point. So. Oh, right. I think Josh should go first. Uh, we... Because you've gone first on every other round. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Okay. Um, I'm going to say the big crunch. Um, because I think uh, that is the process uh, by which we might create another universe. Um, and w- without it, then Ultimately, we would expand into the 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 freezing, um, right? The world ends in ice. If, if that's the case, everything spreads so far apart and gets cold. Yeah, they call um, it. So uh, they call it the heat death of the universe. <laughs> yeah. It's a little dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's yeah, I mean, it's the universe, guys. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's basically the end of the end of. Energy in the universe is what is what that is. Mm-hmm. Um, so and yeah, so I'm saying that um, with the big crunch, then we have the possibility of everything compressing back again to the singularity and then exploding in um, do over universe. <laughs> uh, however many it's like points. a mulligan. Yeah. That's what I was gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, Melanie. Okay. Well, I guess I, there's no point in me choosing the same thing. So I will pick the Big Bang because the Big Crunch would kill us. Right? <laughs> <laughs> this is, well, sure. Yeah, it would. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it sounds like they're both going to kill us eventually, but like. <laughs> if you were there for the Big Bang, that would also kill you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one is associated with dinosaurs. And dinosaurs are cool. So. (laughs) Um, Okay, Melanie, you win with Big Bang, but not for any of your reasons. Uh, The Big Crunch would kill us if we were around for it. However, if... If we're around for the big crunch, um, that would be sort of a miracle of of human engineering and ingenuity to have the species survive that long. Um, yeah. The Big Bang, nothing existed before the Big Bang. Um, so if you were alive at that time, you would be God. And I doubt the Big Bang would kill you. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh, but the, the reason why I'm picking the Big Bang, uh, is because it's the thing that, that started everything. Um, 
It's inter- it's an interesting idea to think about that the Big Crunch might form another universe when it happens, but it could also just be the end of existence. We don't actually know what would happen uh, sort of at the opposite end of that singularity. Um, and if you think about it, we sort of live we sort of live right now in a window of existence between the Big Bang and the Big Crunch if the Big Crunch is something that actually happened. And outside of that window, it's impossible to sort of predict what what is out there. Um but we do know that the Big Bang happened, and we do that know that it sort of produced the universe and everything in it, including us, including the ability for us to ponder things like existence itself. Um, so that's why I'm going with the Big Bang. All right. <laughs> so final score is Melanie wins again. <laughs> yeah, uh, even in science. <laughs> 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 I should I should have given you zero points for your answer. <laughs> um, okay, I was gonna bring a little bit of uh, philosophy into this with a with another bonus question if it ended on a tie, but since it didn't end on a tie, maybe we'll save that for another another time. Also, we've already talked about the two of the three things that I said that we wouldn't talk about in this podcast. <laughs> I don't want to bring philosophy into it, so. So uh, we're going to take a quick break uh, before the final segment. And um, you guys have been listening to Taekwondo, The Shame Chronicles. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back, uh, guys. We're going to wrap up the we're going to wrap up this episode by announcing the winner and runners up of the haiku contest. How do you guys Yay. feel about that? I feel great. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's been a long time coming, I think. <laughs> yeah, it has. Because uh, I think when we first started talking about uh, haiku, uh, Melanie brought this up on like episode four. So it's literally <laughs> been going for um, almost two months now. So uh, we're glad to have finally ended it. Um, we uh we didn't we hadn't decided on a winner last time but we have decided now um and to sort of build up a little bit of tension uh we thought that maybe we would you know just set the mood a little bit so here we go feel free to sing along if you want to <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, in my head, I'm just watching Joe do uh, magic tricks. <laughs> and while this uh, guitar solo is going on <laughs> uh, in the background, this is going to be really epic. So, and the the winner of the 2012 Taekwondo The Shame Chronicles podcast haiku contest. <laughs> wow, I, I don't even remember what the first part of that sentence was when I started it. Anyway, the winner of the contest is Steven for uh, the sheer volume of entries that he sent in. Um, <laughs> And the number of emails that he sent in. So, Stephen, uh, congratulations for winning. Um, Becca and Mom, uh, the other two contestants, will be named uh, co-runners-up. And uh, you all will receive your uh, your prizes. 
Sorry, I just had to turn that <laughs> volume down for a second. You all will receive your prizes uh, in the mail probably, uh, I'd say, one to two weeks' time. Um, there's a little bit of logistics that we didn't uh, we didn't think about before I named these prizes. And <laughs> <laughs> um, that uh, we don't all live in the same place, so I'm going to have to mail these to, uh, to Melanie and Josh, and then they'll have to mail them back to me or mail them out to you guys. So... Um, don't expect them right away, but when you get them, uh, please let us know and maybe even send in an email or a voice message uh, saying how awesome they are. Um, <laughs> because, uh, as I mentioned, um, these Pfizer's are, are pretty fabulous. So, um, Guys, was there anything else that you wanted to talk about? No. Um, I would just like to... Uh, remind Philip Seymour Hoffman that he's welcome to come on as a guest host. <laughs> at least, sure. at least then maybe Melanie would have some competition versus. <laughs> maybe. Well, I would, uh, I would have questions about, um, Twister. So like suck zone versus, uh, we've got cows. <laughs> yeah. Something like that. Um, Okay, so as always, uh, you guys can contact us by emailing us at shamechronicles at gmail.com. Uh, you can also send us a voicemail at 914-40-SHAME. Um, go to our website, uh, shamechronicles.com. Uh, if you find anything weird with the website, um, have any problems at all, uh, send me an email or send the email to the, the email address that I just mentioned, and I'll try to fix them. Um, uh, yeah, other, I guess... Melanie mentioned last time, if you have any embarrassing or shameful stories about yourself or about other people, uh, <laughs> feel free to send us those. Uh, we will anonymize them uh, if you ask us to. Um, but otherwise, I don't think we have any, uh, any other action items for the listening audience. Um, if you have if the, uh, the urge to uh, leave us a review or a rating on iTunes, that would be helpful. Um, or if you just want to tell some people about it, that would also be helpful. Um, so I guess that's probably going to do it for this episode. Uh, thank you all for listening. We'll talk to you later. Bye. Okay, so I don't know if we're going to do, like, uh, any kind of, like, drum roll or something when we announce these. <laughs> Maybe I can find something on, uh, find something on Spotify real quick. Maybe, like, the final countdown? <laughs> <laughs> I know I have that one somewhere. Uh, I'm going to run to the restroom really quickly. All right. Okay, I think I found it. I'll just fast forward to the right spot. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if this actually fits with announcing a winner. <laughs> we should just play the whole five minute song as the intro to this segment. <laughs> and then just say Steven and then end the podcast. <laughs>
you ever watch Arrested Development? Uh, I've seen, I've seen episodes, but I, but I haven't watched like all of them. I feel like maybe when Josh comes back, he can confirm this. But I feel like that's the music that Job used as his intro for his magic shows. <laughs> the final countdown. I think so. <laughs> can you think of any other song that might be a good countdown song? Uh, oh, there's um, Major Tom. Uh, isn't that a Bowie song? Maybe it's not Bowie. Maybe it's um, I don't remember, but it's the one that's like four, three, two, one. Earth below us, drifting, falling, something like that. That's by Shiny Toy Guns. Oh, they probably re- they probably covered it. Oh. Sounds like I came back in at the right point. Hey Josh, do you remember that? Um, <laughs> is the final countdown the song that Job always played before his magic shows on Arrested Development? I think that's right. Yeah. Okay, so. It's William Shatner, Melanie. <laughs> well. Oh no, sorry. It's it's on a CD called William Shatner. <laughs> No. <laughs> but it's by Nick Valenci. Is he the first person? I feel like maybe a lot of people have just covered this song. Uh, probably. Um, I think it's a reference to to Bowie, but it's not by Bowie, but it's by somebody else who's famous. Like... That sounds right. Is that even the same song? Earth to ground Major Tom. Yeah, Major Tom. I think there's actually two I think there's maybe two different songs that are called Major Tom. One's by Bowie and one is Is it Ground Control to Major Tom? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. I want to say all of these are, like, covers. This says Michael Hall. I don't know who that is. It's possible that the original song is not on Spotify. Oh. Well, if it sounds the same, it wouldn't matter. I guess. Does this sound like it? (laughs) Here. Yeah... There's two different songs. Be like an instrumental. I think I don't know. There's two different ones. Let me see if I can just Google the lyrics and then. This song is called Ground Control. <laughs> I can't really hear it. Oh. <laughs> I'm guessing that's not it. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, okay. Peter Any... Schilling. Peter Schilling? It's by Peter Schilling. Schilling? Yeah, S-C-H-I-L-L-I-N-G. 
Okay, yeah, his top hit is Major Tom. <laughs> it, four of his top five hits are called Major Tom. <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> this is what you're thinking. <laughs> yeah. So, Josh, um, I don't know if we discussed this while you were away, but we're trying to think of songs that would be good intro songs to announce the winner. <laughs> <laughs> this has a countdown, though. It's short. It's only four to one. Lots of songs have. <laughs> Is it supposed to be in German? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there is a there is an English version of this song. I guess that's why four of the top five yeah. are. <laughs> I think we should just play the German one. <laughs> Down there. Oh, down, down, down. <laughs> um, wow, every single one of his songs has a crazy German name, except for Major Tom. <laughs> um, okay, so we can either use that one, the English version of that one, uh, the final countdown, or if you guys can think of another one. Let me just search for countdown real quick. Uh, Beyonce has a song called Countdown. Oh, really? <laughs> I don't think that one fits. No. The Black Keys have one. There's the final countdown. Uh, My Sharona is off the album Countdown to the New Year. <laughs> Probably the final countdown would sound more like uh, a countdown song. Or it would count, I mean, it sound more like. It would have the fanfare that we're looking for. Right. Well, can you? Okay. Can you think of anything that's maybe not countdown related, but would be a good intro song? Mortal Kombat. Ah, that song's not on here. No. Oh. That album isn't uh, licensed, I guess. Lame. I, I've looked for it. I would have played it on a previous episode <laughs> had it been on here. <laughs> um. I don't know. There's an album on here called 100 Songs for Happy Kids. <laughs> That's weird. Um, okay, let me just search for something. We might just settle on Final Countdown if uh, something doesn't jump out at me. Um, here's a song called Intro by Lil Wayne.
That's probably not going to be a good song. Um... I guess let's just go with the final countdown. Okay. Um, I'll see if I can find a good spot in the song, because we don't want to play, like, a minute of it or whatever. Yeah, this is totally Jim's, Jim's yeah. music. I don't know how much we want to play of it, though. There's like a bridge or something that sounds good. <laughs> I guess we could just start like where he says it's the final countdown and go from yeah, there. And then, yeah, yeah, I think so. Okay, let me. See if I can find that spot so I can pause it there. Okay. <laughs> this is going to be great. <laughs> uh, so I've been recording for the past 12 and a half minutes. Um, <laughs> I might just throw this all in as sort of bonus footage. <laughs> Uh, maybe I'll edit out that, uh, who was that? Jay something? Somebody, Lil Wayne. Some rapper. Lil yes, Wayne. Lil Wayne. <laughs> Jay Wayne. Um, I was about to say Lil Z, but I knew that wasn't right. Um, okay, you guys ready? Yeah. Sure.